Welcome to the Inside Fintech podcast, which is brought to you by Adam and Phil. We have a wealth of experience and knowledge in the fintech and accounting tech world, and we're growing this podcast organically. And with it, we're bringing our own unique perspective to each show. We aim to edit as little as possible to keep that conversational style. That, of course, means tangents might be taken and often will. And we'll even wildly guess figures or quickly use Google. We should also note that no point should our podcast be used for investment advice. It goes without saying that we'd love you to like and share this podcast and, of course, subscribe. But most importantly, we hope you enjoy it. Good afternoon. I'm Adam Clark, your host of Inside Fintech this week, and I'm with my other host, Phil Ogden, uh, co-host of Inside Fintech, and we are here to take you through everything that's going on in the wonderful world of fintech. So, Adam, um, not much going on this week, lol. Uh, every week, so much news, right? And I guess two of the key things, and I guess our key story we're going to talk about this week comes from a couple of pieces of news we saw. Um, and it's rumoured that there are a couple of companies out there doing their latest levels of raising. Um, specifically, you've got Klarna uh, and SumUp, who are both making down raises on previous years. And The Economist today put out an article which is about how, you know, questioning is the fintech market that's been so buoyant for the past 10 years, is it starting to call? So I guess that's what we're going to discuss today. It is indeed. Spicy. Spicy topic for, for, for episode number two. Let's uh, not pull any punches with that one, Phil. But Yeah, for, for episode number two, we're basically asking the question, is the fintech industry dead? And thus, is this podcast already redundant before it's got going? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I meant. But thanks for putting that in clear focus there. Uh, I think we're, we're stuck with focused on that. We're one. stuck with money if we like it or not. Let's let, let's leave it there. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting article, isn't it? And I think the fact that I shared that with you this morning, and you just you just went ten minutes later. We need to do the episode today. And I was like, uh huh, yeah, I get that. It's really interesting. Well, yeah, it is. And like, so the economists are saying that many listed fintechs have seen their market cap crash by more than 75% since July. And a lot of these fintechs, you know, a lot of this market crashes around um, the, the the Bitcoin space as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like Bitcoin is currently taking an absolute ass kicking in the market. And we've seen, you know, Coinbase and many, many others letting go of staff or you know, hiring freeze. I think Coinbase is letting go of something like 15% of their staff. Um, free trade similar. Yeah. Yeah. Free trade similar. Right. Um, and it just, it just seems like things have changed very, very quickly in this market now. Mm-hmm. Like in the last couple of months, it's just gone from being kind of, yay, everything's great. Champagne and, and kind of caviar. And now it's like, yeah, maybe we should get to the Prosecco. In fact, uh-huh. Coinbase is laying off eighteen percent of its staff, some one thousand people. That's crazy. I mean, if I had time, which I don't, but if I had time, I would look to see what the uh, employee levels were two years ago. Well, yeah. two and a half years ago, 
is this simply a, corre- a correction or is this something much bigger than that? Because I think being in marketing myself, going through uh, an experience myself, the beginning of uh, COVID and the first lockdown, there was a lot of uncertainty. There seems to be more more certainty about the uncertainty this time around, where people were uncertain about how uncertain things were. If that makes sense, <laughs> things were people are more uncertain about more certain about how uncertain things are. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the global pandemic. We didn't have much to go on how long it would last or what effect it would have, but the net effect was that a lot of things that people were doing actually lent itself very well to fintech and using better financial technology uh, tools to budget, manage their money, pay online, all those other things. Yeah. Now, of course, we're in a, a different situation where people actually have lost perhaps a significant portion of their money that they grabbed back from having to pay for trains and things, perhaps being in the office more. Um, and obviously the, the cost of living, everything else. So there will be certain apps out there, fintech solutions out there, the likes of Plum, for example, that have just released their own payment card, which I think is a very smart move. Um, keep more and more money within that ecosystem and, and get that uh, that slice off the top from, I think it's MasterCard. It could, could of course, be Visa that, they've, that they're working with. Even Curve, who, who've been a bit of a fintech darling and a, and a favourite of mine, they've laid off staff. Yeah. In fact, according to the article on uh, The Economist, um, fintechs have sacked about 5,500 employees since May the 1st, according to layoffs.fyi, mm. um, compared with none last year. No, I'm assuming this is just listed fintechs, right, with, with those numbers. I imagine so, being someone that was laid off from a fintech. I was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and, <laughs> and having known a lot of fintechs that did that, but it's interesting, right? They're obviously so talking fin- about the net effect, aren't they? They're not talking yeah, about Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, so I think, I think it, it's, it's lending itself to this conversation of, you know, are we about to see a massive recorrection in this industry? And are we about to see, you know, is fintech, are fintechs going to be at the kind of um, the sharp end of these, these troubles? Because actually, you know, if you're the, the last thing you really want to do when you're raising funding is raise a down round. Yeah. Right? And, and there's a lot of people over there raising a down round. Um, you know, other companies that, that this article calls out, Klarna, you know, buy now, pay later, which I don't get because I read another article that says that the buy now, pay later is going through the roof, right? Everyone's using it because they can't afford stuff, so they're using that. Um, I have thoughts on buy now, pay later as well, by the way. I think it's a terrible idea, these apps. I, th- I think they are... Um, we're setting ourselves up for another... Uh, Amigo loan stroke Wonga money stroke, you know, payday mm-hmm. loans situation or, or a PPI situation where, you know, there, there's no real limit to what you can do. Um, I was going to do an exercise. I want to do an exercise and buy everything in a month on buy now, pay later and see if I get declined. <laughs> I'd have the money to pay it off, right? But I wanted to see how far I could push buy now, pay later. Yeah from a credit perspective 
and see just is it as is it as wild wild is it as wild west as it it, it appears because for now I've I've never no I've never used these kind of buy, I've used buy now pay later but in different formats right like you know years interest free then you pay off the full amount or you know which I guess is similar in a way. But this kind of buy now split in three parts, and and Apple are coming to this party as well, especially in America. Mm. They've just announced that you're going to be able to split payments made with Apple Pay three ways. It feels dangerous to me. It feels another way of kind of over leveraging and over crediting your over credit. Yeah, there's some really interesting statistics on that um, around the propensity for people to purchase and not abandoned carts compared to if it wasn't available. So I totally understand why why companies... Yeah, from a retailer's perspective, it's golden, right? I can't afford this, but I want this. So therefore, I'm going to buy it and worry about how I pay for it later. Retailer gets the money that they want minus the cut of of whoever. Retailer's happy. If the debt goes bad, the retailer's sorted, right? They don't really really care. It's not their problem. So from a retail perspective, it's an absolutely stonking idea. Yeah, things like fast, fast, fast fashion, things like that, where, you know, it's very much, you know, demand. Oh, here's something new and shiny. Oh, I'm going out the weekend. Oh, I want to look nice for this. I want to do this. It really lends itself into people being able to buy more and more fast fashion. You know, it's very much making that consumerism spin faster, I suppose. Yeah, I just... I don't know. It, it just, I, I definitely get the advantage of it, right? I mean, just because something is good for the consumer doesn't mean it's right for the consumer. Exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, I was quite chuffed. I was quite happy in a way when I, when I heard that, um, that they were going to start regulating yeah. this sector because, you know, we're so tight on, on other forms of money regulation and, and, and kind of lending regulation. But this is just a, yeah, everyone can have it. You have some free money and you have some free money and you have some free money and everyone's got some free money. Oh, you can't afford to pay it back. Dang. Yeah. Um, I can see, I can see like, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds really getting into trouble with this kind of stuff. And that, those are the kind of, you know, you, as someone that ruined his credit rating before he, he left university. Mm-hmm. Who, Maybe no fault of my own, maybe lack of education, I don't know, whatever you want, however you want to call it. It took a long time to get it back. Mm-hmm. I, it just makes it just makes me worried um, about kind of the more this becomes mainstream. Anyway, look, this, this wasn't about buy now, buy now, <laughs> pay later. I, I, I went on to a full tangent on that one. This is about kind of you know the the, the future of fintech. But look, down rounds are going to be down rounds are significant. If you imagine how many, you know, we've got zero con coming up in a few weeks, right? And Zerocon is one of the big events in the accounting tech space. Uh, I'm going to be there as a delegate to go around and, and kind of poke my nose in and see what's going on and, and, and speak to a few people. Fantastic. But a lot of those businesses there are not trading on profit. A lot of them are trading on future profits. A lot of them are trading on future business, right? Mm-hmm. And if this calling of the investment market into this area continues, you know, your, your sum-ups and, and your companies like that can take a down round, right? Like, you know, a few billion off the valuation isn't going to kill it right now. There's still quite a lot a lot of legs in. But actually, if you're a business that you last year you valued at 10 million, this year you're valued at 5 million, you know, that's a big impact on 
the business, the future of the business, the business's ability to get capital, um, the shares uh, that the employees have in the business. And a lot of smaller fintechs take, you know, you'll, you'll take shares as opposed to money, right? Mm-hmm. Here, here's a hundred grand if we do well, but we've got to do well first. Well, actually, if you end up with, and I know, I know a couple of fintechs that have gone, gone the other way where that, you know, people have not seen a penny from the, the, the shares. So they didn't take the money up front and they didn't get anything out the back. So I just wonder if that might have a bit of an impact on, on that as well. So it's going to be quite wide ranging if this is where the market's going to go. Yeah. I mean, going slightly off tangent, but only slightly, you've obviously got the huge impact on uh, Meta's share price not so long ago. Lots of people, lots of employees, very unhappy generally with the direction of travel, but actually the shares were their nest egg. That was their way out. And now they're in this situation where they they kind can't kind of can't leave because their shares are worth you know forty percent less than than a few months ago. So they're kind of in this rock and hard place. I'm sure there's a lot of other people who perhaps are gainfully employed by by fintechs that are perhaps feel they should move on, but that they've got that enticement of uh, of shares and vesting periods and all this sort of stuff that's kind of holding them back from from leaving but now that potential carrot is is getting smaller and that sort of desire perhaps to stick around is is, is perhaps less so um it's an interesting space i think that we might see some acceleration of attrition anyway in in, in the fintech market simply because it's a hard market to work in. It's a, you know, you are, especially working for a startup, you are expected to do extra, to pull extra, because that essentially has an impact on on the share price ultimately, ultimately in that, that payout you're hoping for at the end. Yeah, it does. And, and actually, do you know what? You, you make a really good point. In, in a time where, you know, um, companies are shedding staff and, and they are shedding staff, right? And, and people are moving jobs. It's really interesting when you think about, well, actually, if those golden handshakes, those big share deals are there to keep people there, people are going to move a lot quicker, mm. a lot quicker. By the way, I say undersold how much sum up down valuation was. Their last round was at 20 billion. This round was at 8 billion. So it's a 12 billion pound down round. That is phenomenal. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a significant down round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, properly significant. So yeah, I just you know, I just I just wonder where this is going to go, and it could have an impact on recruitment, retention, things like this. So yeah, I just thought it was, it was, it was an interesting one, right? So if you want to check out more on that, um, I'm sure Adam will put the uh, the link to the Economist article in the show notes maybe so you can kind of have a read on what that is all about uh any other news from the fintech world that caught your eyes over the past week or so um it's a very good question phil uh you put together a very interesting list that i was reading over the weekend in fact i shared it on our inside fintech page um Experian partnered with FinTech Tilful on building small business credit scores. 
I think this yeah, is a trend that's but, growing. You'll probably know more than I do. Well, you will yeah. do. Yeah. No, I will. But what was equally as exciting, and, and it was and it was on this, was foremost who were working on a green credit score for SMBs. And this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time, this whole kind of idea of a green credit score. Um, so it's really that that was like like same week, you know, Experian credit scores foremost green credit scores and you kind of think i wonder if that's going to be the evolution of credit scores for businesses right um yeah i thought they were two pretty interesting like the the, the business credit score thing is is, is really interesting I, I was in that space a little bit and you know it's fair to say that most businesses don't understand credit score or their own credit score so mm-hmm. you know there was some great work by my former employer capitalize um and their partnership with experience some of the stuff they're working on that i think it's super interesting no i agree I, one thing i would like to see within the credit score is actually how quickly are to pay I, I haven't dug into it to see if that's part of it but one of the huge yeah. problems is cash flow particularly from large enterprise customers down to the sme customers is how quickly they pay or don't pay to manage their own Often, cash flow. I've seen it firsthand and, and it's it's horrible to, yeah, to it, see people say, oh, don't pay them until next week. And and those big businesses are often the worst, right? Like it's the, the Sainsbury's effect where they don't pay for X amount of day. To be honest, it was quite weak for banking use as well. Barclays acquiring British lender Kensington Mortgages for 2.3 billion. It's a, a fair purchase for, for Barclays. And at the same point, um, Revolut, it's going to say Revolt then, but literally not hate that. Uh, Revolut is stopping unlimited free trading for metal to metal subscribers and instead offering 10 free trades per month. Uh, and it's launching a buy now, pay later in Northern Ireland as well. So everyone's on the uh, buy now, pay later mm-hmm. trade. Take a tree now and you'll find a buy now, pay later. Um <clears throat> It would seem everyone's everyone's on it. Uh, I think I even looked at something on Google's shopping page and they had a buy now, pay later. I don't know who runs it, but uh, I was like, oh, yeah, literally most, is, is doing yeah, it. Speaking weird, of which, it? though, speaking of which, and it's not really uh, anything to do with uh, buy now, pay later at all. Um, I don't know why I said speaking of which, but with regards to Revolut, I thought it was very interesting that Stripe, Checkout.com, Klarna and Revolut now have merger and acquisitions teams. Feeding back perhaps into the Economist article and what's going on in the in, in the fintech world, perhaps these big players are now seeing opportunities to pick off some cheaper options to build out their their own services though i don't genuinely know what else revolut could sell or or do are you'd be surprised i mean i know like um yeah like it's just sometimes they'll you'll be like oh well how's that relevant and you know you, you can't see the bigger picture but yeah it's do you know again you might be right it might be you know this whole kind of you know pressures on fintech down value around that kind of stuff it might be a really good driver to to kind of to, to push the acquisition chain where where you know some businesses are struggling and, and everything else. I tell you what, 
the, I think probably the last bit of news I want to highlight this this month, and I think this is probably the most disturbing bit of fintech news I've heard in a while, and banking news. Deutsche Bank will now put an app on all employees' phones to monitor their texts. I'm assuming work phone. Let's let's assume the best here. Mm-hmm. But hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know oh, if you sorry. Calls, texts, WhatsApp messages. So more than just text, it's calls, texts, and WhatsApp messages. Wow. I mean, there's considering how much Deutsche Bank and other banks have been fined over the years for insider training, trading and, and various other nefarious acts. And they you kind of understand them wanting to protect themselves and make sure they've got an audit trail if it's work-related. There's obviously a tool called Microsoft, is it Insure or something like that, which is no. essentially an app that you can put onto a phone and it takes out over admin rights of your entire phone. It tracks oh, okay. everything. If anyone's got any spare time, put on a tinfoil hat, have a read about it. It is scary. Now, because it can do all these things doesn't mean a company will do all these things. But essentially, it can track every single thing that you do with that phone, where you are, what you're doing at that time, all sorts of things. They're probably using that or something similar. It is super scary. Um, and we're seeing it more and more, I suppose. Companies are trying to protect themselves, ensure they're compliant, ensure there isn't things like insider trading, because you can get fined billions of billions of pounds. Or you're well, right. funny so. enough, um, in, in December, uh, the SEC and CFTC fined JP Morgan Chase a total of $200 million for allowing WhatsApp employees to use apps, including so Wall Street employees to use apps, including WhatsApp, to get around US federal record-keeping laws. Meanwhile, HSBC and Credit Suisse have both dismissed staff as over inappropriate messaging. I guess from a compliance perspective, it makes sense, right? And I, I, I'm not against that from a compliance perspective. However, it's I think there's just there's a weird line here, right? Like, you know. It is untraceable. It is, un, you know, these kind of messages aren't aren't ideal. Um, but you know, it, it's. I don't know how comfortable I would be, even knowing I wouldn't do anything wrong having that on my phone. I mean, it's no different to emails being tracked. I guess. Maybe no. I it, I don't like it at all. But I think the the key thing, of course, is that. There needs to be a separation between work and life. And if they're tracking that particular phone, an employee's phone, and they're aware of it, which they sh- rightly should be, make sure you're only using it for work and nothing else. Have a separate phone, only use that for play. Yeah. Or other things. Have that complete separation. Don't be like logging onto your email, your, your personal emails on your work laptop and all those sort of other things. It's quite easy to creep in, um, especially if you're working. You, know you are right. You're 100% right. The challenge comes where, so for example, I worked at a fintech and they wouldn't give me a work phone. They said, oh, you just need to use your phone. Mm-hmm. So, and so therefore I put Slack on my phone. I have my work emails on my phone. So therefore creep could absolutely just happen. 
where I am now, I have a work phone and a personal phone, and there's no crossover between the two. Uh-huh. I, I also, I was asked the question, which one would you prefer? And I was like, well, in marketing, I'm going to be bombarded with all sorts of things. Yeah. Naturally, I would like some separation. Previous role, it was all, oh, you know, we're a startup, let's save some cost, da, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, and when I left, I changed my phone number. So I was just like, I need that separation. Because yeah, then th- over three years, giving out my personal phone number to people. So I had to have that, you know, and that's a sacrifice. I think it has to be, time, I think the business has to allow it, right? The business has to allow that separation. If, if you don't allow that separation as a business, then you can't have that separation. And therefore that's where this then starts to get very, very murky. If the business isn't allowing you to have that separation. It's an interesting topic, right? I'm sure this is one we'll, we'll come back to over the, over the time because you know, these kind of things, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's a whole topic of conversation around the point yeah. of pay later and, and Apple and what they could do with it. But Absolutely. Absolutely. I think on the on the wider point, especially for smaller companies, I don't I think there's no malice involved with bring your own device. It is easier, it is that sort of thing. But of course, unintended con- consequences are a thing. And I just think yeah. that, you know, as we've learned the hard way by doing it ourselves. Absolutely. Anything else, Phil? No, I think I think that's a good good little wrap up of uh, the stories that took my attention this week across the whole wonderful world of uh, fintech and, and fintech news. Uh, is there anything? Uh, look, I think uh, look, it's a good chat. It's, it's always good to have these kind of topics that come up and make you just go, "Oh, oh, that's interesting." Um, especially when it's kind of you know focused on the bigger picture of the moment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't think so. I think that's it. I mean, I do feel for for marketing departments. One of the marketing departments have turned around in the article and said they're cutting their marketing budget by 75% and changing their, their growth predictions. has a big impact on their ability to raise and uh, the, the money that they've already raised with the, you know, the caveats and, and things involved. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. I do genuinely hope that the world settles down a little bit. So everyone can catch your breath, but uh, that'd be nice. No one's no one's going to listen to me on that one. Um, so, but I think that's it for now. It's always a pleasure, never a chore. I will leave you to get back to your day, Phil, and uh, we'll catch up soon. But for everyone that's been listening, thank you very much for listening. I'll have some new podcast tech next week, which will be interesting. <gasps> Ooh, I know new tech, yeah. new tech, like new tech, and don't forget, of course, to, to to check us out on on LinkedIn. Right, Inside FinTech has its own LinkedIn page. You do a blog. We put some news on there. Some of this FinTech news makes its way on there. Right, so it's really uh really good to go and have it a, a look on that. Yeah, two hundred and one followers we have now. Ooh, doesn't sound like okay. a, a lot, but we had a hundred about two weeks ago. So you know, it's hundred percent growth. Should get a few million um, VC money. Purely based on that that growth. <laughs> cool. Good to catch up. Thank you for listening to another episode of Inside FinTech with Adam and Phil. We hope you enjoyed it. And of course, if you did, we'd love it if you could like and subscribe to our podcast. You can also follow us on your favorite social media channels, LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. 
If you'd like to read more, find out more about Inside FinTech, visit InsideFin.tech. Until next time, bye for now.